There is joy in the house of the Lord today. There is joy in the house of the Lord today. Hold on to that. You got it? Brother, you got it? You got a tight grip on it? We always face opposition when we build for God. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, brother. You still got it? We always face opposition when we build with God. Always. And it's not in my notes, but it is now because of that song. Opposition to God wants to steal the joy that is in the hearts of those who call on the name of Jesus Christ. But there is joy in the house of the Lord today. The reason there's joy in the house of the Lord today is because there's joy in the hearts of those who call upon the name of the Lord. But we always will face opposition when we build with God. We're in the middle of Nehemiah, and if you've been here, you know that we're in chapter 6 this morning. And we, we, chapter 6 is, for me, it's, it's, re, it's really the, the, the heartbeat of the book, the critical moment of the book in this sense. God has done amazing things. Would you agree? The, the, what we've seen and what God did through this man Nehemiah and his people and all the different ways that obstacles were overcome. Well, chapter 6 is where the opposition really picks up some momentum, some steam. And the question at the beginning of chapter 6, or this point in the story, is how will God's people respond to the opposition? We always face opposition, we always face opposition when we choose to build with God. And when God builds, what does Satan do? Well, he responds. He responds with more opposition. He responds with presenting distractions. He responds by throwing obstacles and challenges in our path. And he responds by ramping up his attempts to discourage the people of God. I heard recently a, a pastor was, it was at a, at a seminar, and, and the pastor said this, the speaker said, Satan doesn't have any new tools in his bag. He's been doing the same thing that he did since the Garden of Eden. And I know this doesn't apply to everybody, but it, I'll just be full disclosure, this applies to me. One of his most effective tools in his bag for me is discouragement. When I just feel overwhelmed with the opposition, the distractions, the obstacles, the challenges, and the discouragement is what begins to take root in, in my own heart. When God builds, Satan responds. So what do we do? If there is joy in the house of the Lord today, and I just heard it, experienced it, and I have it, but combined with that, this reality that there's always opposition when we choose to build for God... What do we do? How do we find what we need to continue living as joy-filled followers of Jesus Christ when Satan is ramping up the opposition, when he's ramping up the distractions and the, the obstacles and the challenge? And what do we do 
Because up here, we keep saying, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. There's joy in following Jesus. But in my day-to-day experience, I feel overwhelmed with all these other things, and I feel discouragement settling in to my thinking and into my life. What do we do? What do we do? Choose joy. I like that. Let's learn from Nehemiah. Let's see if that's there. That, that, uh, that's a good comment. What do we do? How can we learn from Nehemiah to find what we need, to find the strength that we need to keep building in the midst of opposition? Look at chapter 6 with me. Verse 1. When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab. Do you remember those names? This is the first time we're meeting them? No. No, they've, they've, been, they've been playing this role already. And then he says, the rest of our enemies, they heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that no gap was left in it. God was building something. Though at that time, when this, this began to unfold, I had not yet installed the doors in the gates. And so there were, you know, there were those openings. And in that moment, Sanballat and Geshem decided they would send me a message. Email, you think? Text. No. Okay, just seeing if you're paying attention. They send me a message. It's this stuff called paper. They probably had a version of paper and they wrote down and they sent it with somebody. They sent it with a human being who came and showed up and said, hey, Nehemiah, I've got a message for you. Okay, what's the message? Hey, let's get together. Let's meet. Let's meet in the villages of the Ono Valley. Hey, Nehemiah, we want to get together. Let's get a cut. Let's meet at Starbucks. Let's have a, or Pete's or What's the other one? Dutch Bros. Yeah, let's, let's meet at Dutch Bros. How about that? And, oh, we can't because they don't have any seating. Sorry. Let's meet at, at Starbucks, and let's get coffee, and let's talk. But, look at your, your Bible or the screen behind me. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them. I replied. I said, I'm doing a great work. Let me translate that. I am building with God. God has made the mission clear to me of what we're to do, and I've chosen to build with him. And I'm building with God, and so I can't come down. I can't stop what I'm doing. I can't stop building. Why should the work, why should what God is choosing to do through his people, through me as a leader, why should the work cease while I leave it and go have a cup of coffee with you? Four times. You see in the text there? I love that we're given these details. It makes it so real for us. Four times. This is not a one-time opposition or a one-time challenge or obstacle. Four times they sent me the same proposal, same offer, and I gave them the same reply. What was his reply? I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? So Sanballat sent me this same message a fifth time, and this time he sends someone close to him, one of his aides. And the aide had with him an open letter, meaning that it wasn't sealed for the king's eyes only. It was an open letter that anybody could read. And in the letter, here's what it said. It's reported among the nations, and Geshem, the Arab, agrees that you, Nehemiah, and the Jews plan to rebel. This is the reason why. This is why you're building the wall, so you can rebel against the king. According to these reports, you are to become their king. Nehemiah, the word is that you're setting yourself up to be the king of Judea. And you've even set up the prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim on your behalf. There's a king in Judah. 
Now, Nehemiah, these rumors are going to be heard by the king. So come, this letter, isn't that funny? These rumors are going to be heard for the, by the king. What he's really saying is, he's, he's making it clear, this letter is going to go to the king. This letter somehow is going to find itself in the hands of the king. These rumors will be heard by the king. So come, let's get a cup of coffee together. Let's sit down together. And then I replied to him, there is nothing in these rumors you are spreading. There's nothing to these rumors you are spreading. You're inventing them in your own mind. For they were all trying to intimidate us. They were trying to intimidate us saying they will, here's the goal, they will become what? They will become what? Discouraged in the work. What happens when we become discouraged in the work? We stop. We put down the tools. You put down your, your gifts, your spiritual gifts and your passion. You put them down and you walk away from the wall. And that was the intent of those presenting this opposition. They will be, if we do this, they will become discouraged in the work and it will never get done. Now, there's so many layers to that, but let me just point out a couple. The first one is, what will that mean for the people of God long-term if they fail at doing what God's called them to do? Long-term discouragement. It's going to shape their identity. The next layer that I want to mention is, what does that do for the reputation, the name of God, if the wall remains unfinished? You know, if we do this, if we can just get them discouraged enough then they'll quit. But now, Nehemiah says, realizing what's happening, he says, now my God strengthened me. My God strengthened me. Have we seen this pattern in Nehemiah when he faces difficult moments, when he faces opposition, when he recognizes that he is becoming discouraged? Where does he turn? He turns to the Lord over and over and over. Let me, let me say it this way. Here's the thought that I, I want God to use in our lives as individuals and as a church Stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the mission. There is joy in the house of the Lord today, but the reality is every time I wake up and I step into the mission and I say I'm going to build with God, there's going to be opposition to that. Corporate and individual, personal. There's a reason why as followers of Jesus we're told to put on every piece of the armor of God. Do we know why? Because Satan knows where it is that you're prone not to put on that piece of armor. And guess where he's going to focus his opposition? Where is he going to aim that dart? I've already told you, for me, it's discouragement. Just getting overwhelmed and saying, oh, you know, I wake up and my feet hit the floor and the sun is out and I have breath and I have a mission, I have purpose for today. But then my mind begins to reflect on all the opposition, all the obstacles, all the challenges, all the pain, all the hurt. And what is, God, what is Satan's intent? He wants to discourage me so that I put down the tools and I stop engaging the mission. Individually, as followers of Jesus, if you're here this morning and you, you've put your faith in him, you're his disciple, stay focused on the mission. Crossroads Church Let's stay focused on the mission. Let's not lose sight of what we have been called to be and to do, to go and make disciples. We're building something. We're not building a wall. We're building disciples. We're making disciples. We do that with one another. We do it with our kids. We do it with our youth. We do it with our neighbors. We do it with the places that he has put us. 
But let's just be real. Let's be honest. When we get discouraged or we're overwhelmed with the opposition, we put down our tools and we stop building with God. And we cannot afford to do that. I can't afford to do that. As a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a, as a leader in a local church, as a community member, as a citizen of this community, I cannot afford to walk away from the shovel and the sword and stop building with God. I need to stay focused on the mission. How do I do that? Let me just throw out a few things. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Do you know what it is that distracts you? If you don't, find out now. Find out today. Identify. If you're married with your spouse, sit down and say, what is it that distracts us from the mission? Let's, let's acknowledge it, own it, so that we cannot be distracted. Number two, don't be discouraged. Someone said, choose joy. It's part of it. Don't be discouraged. Choose joy. Don't be deferred. Don't put... How many are, how many are spiritual procrastinators? Nobody? Okay, there. Okay, took a second. Okay. Spiritual procrastinators. I'll, I'll fix that tomorrow. I'll confess that tomorrow. I'll talk to that person tomorrow. I'll read that tomorrow. I, I'll raise my hand tomorrow. Who was it? Okay, you know. Don't be deferred. Don't stop moving. Just take the next step. How does the Great Commission begin? How does our mission begin? Go. How does every journey begin? With one step. And don't give up. Don't give up. Keep building. Stay focused on the mission. Look at verse 10. I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, son of, my goodness, anybody taking notes or names for your children? Mehatabal. This Shemaiah was restricted to his house. We're not told why. It's likely that he, because he was in, in leadership, Likely he was defiled somehow, and so he was restricted to his house. He couldn't leave. How convenient. Because he comes to Nehemiah and says, Hey, let's meet at the house of God in the temple. I'll meet you there. Let's shut the temple doors, because they're coming to kill you, Nehemiah. They're coming to kill you. When? Tonight. But I said, Should a man like me, Nehemiah, should I run away? How can I enter the temple and live? How can I violate God's, what God has revealed his word to be, his truth? I'm not allowed to go into the, the holy of the holy of holies and hide there for my own sake. How can I enter the temple and live? I will not go. And I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy he spoke against me. Interesting, it is the word prophecy for those that God uses, his prophets. This Shemaiah was presenting himself as a prophet of God, speaking on God's behalf. Nehemiah, let's, let's run to the temple. Let's hide in there. Protect yourself. Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He was hired so that I would be, listen, intimidated, moved by fear, that I would do as he suggested, that I would sin, and that I would get a bad reputation so that they could discredit me. My God, here he is again turning to God. My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat for what they have done, what they're doing. Also, Noadiah, the prophetess, and the other prophets, the other people who say they speak for God, they too have wanted to intimidate me. Here's the thought. Never let fear 
be your why. Never let fear be why you do anything. You with me? Do you understand the why? We ask these questions. What are we doing? We are making disciples. Why do we do that? Because Jesus wants disciples. Jesus is the one that said, go and make disciples. What's my why? My why is that Jesus has, has adopted me into his family. I'm his son. I'm a disciple maker for Jesus. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose, the, the significance, the reason I have breath is to make disciples and do it to the end of the age. He's promised to be with me. And then one day I will spend eternity with him, worshiping him and giving him glory. My why is that I want to please and honor Jesus Christ. And he told me to go. That's my why. But let's again, let's be real. What happens as we live out our life? Another why slips in there. It could be greed, it could be comfort, it could be safety, it could be a lot of things. The lesson from Nehemiah is never let your why be fear. Don't let fear be the reason why you do or don't do anything. Can you say amen to that? Do we believe that, that that is that what, what God has called us to, what he's empowered us to, to be? 2 Timothy 1.7, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-control or sound judgment. Never let, never let fear be your why. Let me, let me turn our attentions to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, and listen to what he says. This is 2,000 years ago. But see if this doesn't feel like he's praying for you and me today. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the more you know him, you would have this wisdom, this discernment, because you have a deeper understanding of who God is. I pray that the perception of your mind, the way you look at life, the way you filter life, the way you see your life, I pray that the perception of your mind be, might be enlightened, open up, so that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that you would know what the riches are of his inheritance among the saints, our inheritance among the saints, and that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe all according to the working of his vast strength now church where do you find a, a, a spot to put fear in that prayer did you find did you hear anywhere in there where fear kind of fits here anyone i didn't never let fear be your why we're going to pray this morning. And I'm going to, I'm going to invite you. I got one more thought, but I'm, you're going to have to wait for it, okay? This is the cliffhanger. We'll have the conclusion in just a minute. But we're going to, we're going to pray. And I want to invite you to just do what works for you in the moment. As Melinda comes, and she's going to lead us in a time of prayer. If that means bowing your head, if that means lifting your hands, if that means to your knees whatever it is in this, these next few moments, would you just engage the Spirit of God as we, with one voice, we bring our lives before God's throne as Melinda leads us in prayer. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have an opportunity 
to sing, to worship. Don't miss this moment. You with me? Don't miss this moment. And let's see where God takes us. Melinda, would you lead us, please? I think Satan especially hates all the songs you're doing this morning. Because here, here's, here's the leading us into the last point. Satan will always try to blind us to this truth with discouragement. He will try to blind us to the truth with discouragement. Let me, let me in grace and love rebuke us. Can I do that? Will you receive this? Church, stop fixing your eyes on the opposition and the struggles and the challenges and the pain. Lift up your eyes and fix them on Jesus Christ. That's the only cure for this blindness. We need, to, we, need to, we need to repeat that to ourselves every morning when we get up. Satan's task this morning in my life is to try to blind me to the goodness of God. To try to blind me to see from seeing what God is doing. In my life, in my, church, in my family, in my church, and in the world that he's placed me in, his world. Lift your eyes up. Chapter 6, verse 15 the wall is completed. Thank you, Matt. The wall is completed in 52 days. On the, the 25th day of the month Elul, when our enemies heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated, filled with fear, and they lost their confidence. They realized that this task had been accomplished by God. Pause there with me just for a second. A couple of things. Number one, it almost feels like an like a afterthought or a footnote. Oh, and by the way, the wall was done in 52 days. Mr. Contractor, can you imagine? A bunch of non-contractor people. Non-contractor, people that have never had a shovel or a, or a hammer in their hand before. And, and, no, <laughs> and no, no building codes. Okay. They did it. God did it. And, and those that were blind to who God is and what God could do had to recognize that this had been done by God. That's why they're intimidated. They're not intimidated by the Jewish people or the, they're probably not even intimidated by the workmanship of the wall. They're intimidated by the reality that only God could do this. And he did it. The wall was completed in 52 days. And then Nehemiah, the record goes on. During those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. Remember him? And Tobiah was sending letters to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, since he was in son, the son-in-law of Shechaniah. Shechaniah, we find back in, in, uh, in the building of the wall, he's part of his family, had come back with Ezra, and they were, when Ezra came back, and they were part of what God was doing. His son, that guy, Yehohanan, had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Man, they're all intertwined, and, and they're, and they're in-laws and they're family members. And these nobles that were all attached to Tobiah, that went to you know, family lunches, dinners, whatever, events, these nobles kept mentioning Tobiah's good deeds to me. Oh, my goodness. You ever feel schizophrenic spiritually? Where we, we've got God's truth, and we've got the reality and then we've got these other messages these voices 
That is people that are interpreting what's happening in the world and saying this is what's happening. And they don't match. Tobiah's a good guy, Nehemiah. I'm telling you, he's a good guy. He's doing great things. And then they reported my words to him. We're not given Nehemiah's words. I kind of wish we were. I'd kind of like to see the humanity of Nehemiah in that moment. They then go back and tell Tobiah what I said in response. And Tobiah continued to send letters to intimidate me. Here's, here's my last thought, the last truth that just impacted me this week. We need to be celebrating God in the face of, in the midst of opposition. We need to be celebrating what God is doing. We sing hallelujah, we sing praise the Lord, we sing there's joy in the house of the Lord. And, and just to be honest, here it's easy. And it's good, but it's easy. What about tomorrow morning? What about Wednesday? What about Thursday night at dinner with your family? What about when you listen to the news or you watch what's going on in our world? Are we celebrating God in the midst of opposition? Now, they're going to. It seems like they didn't hear. They just kind of pass on. They will do it. They will celebrate. How do we find what we need to stand, to continue to build for God in the face of opposition? Well, we need to celebrate God. We need to celebrate him in the opposition. Just as we need to stay focused on the mission and we can never let fear be our why, we need to be celebratory people. And can I be honest with us? We, uh, I'll say it. It's in my notes. We stink. We do. We're not, we're not great at this. Why? Because we've got our eyes fixed on the, on the opposition. Our hearts, we're filling our minds and our hearts with the, with the pain and the struggle and the, and the obstacles. And then we have added on top of that our own brokenness. And we look in the mirror and we, we get fixated on those things. And nowhere in God's word are we told to fixate on those things. We're told to acknowledge the reality of those things and then fix our eyes on Jesus and celebrate what he's doing. Unless we don't believe that God is still building in 2022. Unless it's time to move and go somewhere else where it's easier. Do we believe God is still building something amazing? Are we willing to build with him? Or are we going to allow Satan to blind us to what God's doing and his, the mission that we're on? Church, we've been give, we were given this mission. I was given this mission as a disciple of Jesus personally by him. He said, Kurt, go and make disciples. And the last part of that mission is what? I will be with you to the very end. So I can believe then confidently that God is with us today. Yeah. Am I foolish in that? No. I don't think I am, and I know you agree. You know, the reality is that this is not about a wall. God's never intimidated. He's always moving forward. And yes, God has enemies, and they are determined, but they are defeated. Now, some of you just need to hear those three thoughts. God is never intimidated. We can be, but God is never intimidated by anything, human or otherwise. God is always moving forward with his plans. Do we believe that? Is God able to move forward with his plans in 2022 in California, of all places? 
If we don't believe that, then let's just leave the doors locked next Sunday at 10.30 and don't show up. Don't show up at 9 o'clock. Don't, youth, don't show up tonight. Is there a youth group tonight? Okay. Youth, show up tonight. <laughs> 6 o'clock. Don't show up on Wednesday nights through the summer. Men, shame on you for showing up yesterday at the men's breakfast. If we don't believe that God is always moving forward and that there, there's nothing that man can do, government can do, uh, the economy, the, the medical field, there's nothing that people or any other authority can do that hinders God from moving forward with his plans. And we need to celebrate that. We need to celebrate. I need to celebrate it. Yes, God's enemies are determined, but they're defeated. Church, this is not about a wall. Can I tell you what this is about? If You probably have already figured it out. This is about being on mission with God. It's that simple. It's about building with God, building what God is building, going and making disciples. It's about engaging people to know Jesus. It's about empowering people to love him. It's about equipping people to obey him. And it's about encouraging one another to trust him. Trust him in California in 2022. Trust him in whatever set of circumstances I might be asked to walk through. It's not about a wall. It's about a mission. It's about picking up a shovel and a sword. Do you remember that a couple weeks ago? It's about picking up your shovel and picking up your sword, strapping them on, and getting to work. It's about standing together and moving together. It's about standing together and moving together. You remember the week that Pastor Matt taught that, that chapter? Of, it was everybody, and you made a big deal out of perfume makers and jewelers, I think, were the two. You know, it, it didn't matter, did it? Just pick up a sword, pick up a shovel, and get to work. Do it together. This is about standing together and moving together. And let me encourage you to look at it this way. It's not about a wall. It's about dreaming again with God. It's about dreaming again with God what can be when God is in it. Can I, you want the theological perspective, what this is about? This is about the next piece, the next chapter, the next promise of God in his eternal redemptive plan. This is about God having a testimony in that century, in that moment of who he is and what he was doing. It's always about that. It's always about this world, this world in darkness having a light. It's about people in that day seeing that God is real, that God is more than capable of doing what can't be done human, humanly speaking, and that God is faithful to keep his promises to his people. Because a Messiah is coming. And nothing is going to keep that from happening. And now we live in a day where the Messiah has come and he has, he, has, he has given me new life. And now we say, I proclaim his death until he comes. Nothing's going to stop that. The only thing in question is what do I do in the here and now? Am I with him or not? This is about dreaming again with God. I want to encourage you to Take a moment with me. I want to lead us in a moment of prayer. I want to provide you with an opportunity, provide myself with an opportunity, that we reflect for a moment on 
what the Spirit of God has been saying to you. I, I, I say this repeatedly and because I mean it. It's not my voice that you need to hear. It's the Holy Spirit's voice that each of us needs to hear. And I'm confident because he is faithful and he is powerful and he is loving and he is gracious. He has spoken to you. If you've had your ears open, he has had a message for you. And the message that I heard this week and this morning for me is this. Kurt, it's time to start dreaming again with God. It's time to dream again as to who God is and what he's capable of. God, we need your spirit to move in us in this moment. We need your Holy Spirit to open up, to, to clean out the ears and to, to, to help us see clearly, to hear clearly that you are still building your kingdom, your son's kingdom. You are building the church. God, we confess, I confess, forgive us for fixing our eyes on, on, on the, the struggles, the obstacles, the challenges of life. Forgive us for wanting to have an easy button that we just keep pushing every day and say, God, make it easy. Make it comfortable. We used to have it comfortable. We used to have it easy. I did. I, my family did. God, Make it that again. God, forgive us for that prayer of our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to each of us. Open up our eyes to see that our Father is good and His plan is good. And Holy Spirit, you are faithful. You indwell, you live in, and you will not leave. Jesus, you've promised that to us. Remind us that this is, this is bigger than just our days on this earth. God, this is about you and your glory and, and who you are and the love that you have for this world. Forgive us for being so caught up in, in, in our pain and our struggle and in our discouragement that we've laid down the shovel, we've laid down the sword, we've stopped dreaming with you, we've stopped giving our time, our talent, our treasure. Forgive us for hoarding those things for ourselves. God, help us to pick up the shovel. Help us to pick up the sword. Help us to dream again with you. God, you have not changed. You love this world. Jesus, you love this world and all of its brokenness to the, to the extent that you were willing to suffer and die. Forgive us for not living in that truth every day, every moment, in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace, in our community. God, help us to dream again with you. I, I pray that in this moment you would help each of us identify the distractions, identify the things that are discouraging us. Help us to acknowledge them as real. This is reality. This is the world that we live in. This is the moment you've placed us in. But God, then help us as we identify those things to lift our eyes up to you so that we would dream again, we would build again with you, that we would keep going and making disciples the glory of our Father, and in gratitude and appreciation to our Savior. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness in this moment, in our world. Thank you for your faithfulness in California. Forgive us for losing sight that you, not only are you alive and present, but you are working and you are building, and we want to build with you. So help us to dream again with you. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen.